Well, I want to thank you for coming out again this morning on this uh, bright, sunshiny day. <laughs> hey, you get what you get here in Texas. If you don't like the weather, wait five minutes, it'll change. Right? Uh, we are continuing, actually we're wrapping up our uh, sermon series called Spiritual Conversations. Now, this whole series was designed to start some spiritual conversations. Because a lot of times I feel like we don't talk about things because we don't really know how. Or we might feel very awkward about sharing our faith because there's no easy entrance. But there are things that we all struggle with, are there not? I mean, in this human condition, in this fallen world, we all experience some of the same things. So that's what this sermon series has been about. Whoops, I double clicked. Uh, we have, first we went with vision casting, where we, we kind of fail to have a clear vision. We talked about what does peace really mean. We had an awesome youth Sunday, uh, had a lot of feedback. We're going to do that again soon. Uh, you busy next week? I don't know. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> we'll give you some warning. Uh, and then today is strength. Because as you talk to people in this world, there's a lot going on. There's a lot that drains us. How many people have never, yeah, right, let me rephrase that. How many people have always felt that they had everything they need? They're always strong, always on top of the game. That's what I thought. Me too, right? So here's, here's today's deal is we're going to talk about strength. And this strength is maybe not what you expect, but maybe what we expect isn't as good as what God wants to give us. In other words, what we expect, God's got something way better, way purer, way stronger, and way more impactful. That's what we want to unpack today as we talk about strength. So to lead us off, I want to tell you about my nephew. Uh, my nephew is an Army combat medic. If you don't know what that is, um, actually, that's the strength thing. We asked that question, right? What gives you strength to carry on? This is the Army combat medic. There we go. So uh, Army combat medics are exactly what it sounds like. They are out in the field, on the front lines. And when things go bad, there's one person. Guess who? Have you ever heard any of the old war movies? What's the first thing somebody does when they're wounded? They cry out, medic, followed by mom, right? <laughs> right, but medic, they want that medic. Now, this medic is in the field. They don't have access to all the latest, you know, let's just pop out an MRI and an X-ray and let's see, let's get the surgical suite going. No, man, it's like MacGyver out there. I've seen what this kid does, uh, and I hope I never fall in the field, quite frankly, because it's kind of scary sometimes. But they build into these combat medics this confidence that no matter what they come across, they're going to figure it out, and they're going to find a way to do it. Now, the reason I know this is he told me about the training, but I, I was able to attend his graduation a few years back. And at the end of the graduation, uh, you know, I don't know how big you are on ceremony, but uh, every once in a while I kind of do that little nod, you know, I was kind of nodding off towards the end as they're reading all the names, getting the diplomas. And this first sergeant stands up at the end of the ceremony and he goes, in the field, you're all you've got. And as one, they shouted back, and we're all we need. I was like, wow, man, I got tingles, right? But then being the guy that I am, never to accept things on the surface and always looking through the spiritual, I go, are you really all that you need? Because I think you need more than just humans. Now, I didn't mean to spoil the moment for you, but th th this thing that they do, I want them to be confident. You don't, you don't want to be in the field and that army medic going, gee, I don't know if I can help you. Nice knowing you. No, you want them to be confident that they can do something. But that's sometimes the way that we approach life too, isn't it? I'm all I've got. I'm all I need. Self-sufficiency. That goes all the way back to the Stoics and to the Greeks, right? They were uh, praised for their self-sufficiency. I can face anything. I am captain of my destiny. There is nothing that can take me down. I should be a Marvel superhero. 
But folks, I'm here to tell you, and those of you who have had a few trips around the sun know this, there are things that are stronger than us. There are things that we are not equipped for. There are circumstances that you, if you haven't run across yet, you will. And it will roll your socks down. Life gets hard, does it not? And so we need a strength that is deeper than just what I can bring to it. And thank God we have a strength just like that. So as we look at this, you know, I'm all I got, all, all I need, as, as Jesus followers, we tend to come back, if you're going to play the Sunday school answer, all I need is Jesus, right? And so then we turn to the Bible and we find verses like Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that true? It is true, but do we understand it truly? Because like I just said, there are things that we can't do. So is the Bible wrong, or do we understand it unclearly? I'm going to go with the second. <laughs> and here's why I say that. We, here's the danger. Here's the caution in all of this, because sometimes when we go to the Bible and we find a verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can ask anything in Christ's name, and it's going to happen. No problem. The way is paved, the way is made straight, and that thing just comes to fruition. And then when it doesn't, then our faith takes a step back. Well, I thought the Bible said I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but that didn't work out, so can I trust anything else that's in here? And I've actually seen people throw away their faith because they looked at one verse out of the entire Bible and interpreted it in a way that did not come true for them, and they abandoned faith. That's a tragedy. That's greater than any battlefield loss. That's like losing the war. So this morning, I want us to go just a little bit deeper and look at things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I will start by saying that context is always king. So you may see uh, pictures like this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, if that's me, I'm hoping there's a buddy up there with a rope. <laughs> I mean, I'll pray, sure, but man, somebody better be up there to give me a hand up. So the, the context being king and everything when we look at a verse like that, we have to read in circles. If you don't know what I mean by reading in circles, that means read a little bit before, read a little bit after, read a little bit before, read a little bit after, and put context around this verse. If you just lift a verse up out of the text, there's a word for that. It's called proof texting. And proof texting is like even worse than not knowing Scripture in my mind. Because if I don't know Scripture, I don't know any of this. But if I know just a little bit of Scripture, I will take that and I will quote that and I will live my life by that and I will tell everybody else about that. And when I fail in that understanding, I fail spectacularly. And people go, oh, you're a Jesus follower and that's how you live? Or you're a Jesus follower and that promise didn't come through for you? No, I don't want any of that. I'm actually an anti-advertisement for Jesus Christ when that happens. And I don't want to be that. So remember, context being king. So let's, uh, let's go into this verse, Philippians 4.13, and let's read a little bit before that. This is Paul writing in some pretty miserable circumstances. You know Paul, the guy that was in and out of jail, got the get-out-of-jail card free and then kept getting back in jail. Uh, he was looking for support. They were looking to, to kill him, that Paul. This is what he says right before these words. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
You see, put in context, this strength is not the superpower that overcomes any obstacle. This strength is more like an endurance. The strength is something that gets us through, whether we are well-fed or hungry, whether we're living in plenty or in want. We learn to be content in any and all circumstances because I can do that through Christ who strengthens me. Now, you may be thinking, well, why would God do that to me? Why wouldn't I always be full? Why wouldn't I always be in good circumstances? And the answer comes in how God strengthens us. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but in context, that tells me that this strength is more like an endurance. Why would God do that to me? Because that's how God strengthens us. He puts us in situations that cause us to rely in him. He puts us in circumstances that we cannot see a way out of. Just, just pretend like nothing's happening. He's never work in show business. Well, no, I, I've never had my pocket picked either. But, uh, <laughs> but it's not that bad. I thought it would be worse. Right? So, <laughs> so sometimes when God puts us in those circumstances, he does that because that's the way that he strengthens us. Now, how do I know this? Because if you read that one verse and you read context, you get a little bit. But if you read more of the Bible, you're going to see a bigger picture. And that's what I want to introduce to you this morning. I, named Paul, also wrote these words out of first, or, excuse me, yeah, Corinthians. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Now, again, I'm not going to read all of this. I, I encourage you to. But here's the context in which Paul is saying that. Paul has a thorn in his flesh, and we never really know exactly what that is. But here's God's representative. He's going around planting churches. He's telling everybody about Jesus Christ and how wonderful he is. But he's got this thing. And he prays three times. That's a holy number, right? Holy, holy, holy. It must be important if you hear it three times. He prays three times to God, will you please remove this thorn from my flesh? And what's God's answer? That's God's answer. If you want, the, you want me to cut to the chase, here's God's answer. Uh, no. God says, no, I'm not going to remove that thorn in your flesh. Because my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. If Paul was all that, you would be impressed with Paul. Oh, Paul, oh, he's so wise. He's so eloquent. He has no flaws whatsoever. And that's what you look like when you believe in Jesus Christ. And it's all about who? Paul. So how do we make it all about Christ? Well, the easy answer is we get out of the way. So let's pick apart some of these words here, and, and uh, this is a fun exercise anytime, but just pick three words out of this passage that makes me scratch my head a little bit. So Paul is asking for help. God says no. God says, I want you to be the apostle to the Gentiles. I'm gonna, I want you to spread this word. He wrote a lot of the New Testament all in one sentence, if you know Paul, but uh, he sure could have used a grammar teacher. But he says uh, these three things, and, and the one thing that God gives Paul is he leads with this. My grace is sufficient. My grace. Why did he pick grace? You ever think about that? Now, if I'm Paul and I'm asking for help, I'm like, hey, uh, God, I could use some help. Great, Paul. I will give you power. I will give you strength. But God says, I will give you Grace. Ever wonder why that? Nobody's wondered why that. Okay. Well, I do. I say maybe it's because grace holds us back from God's power. 
grace, God's grace allows us to forgive and move on. God's grace allows us to forgive ourselves, too. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm my own worst enemy in trying to get God's strength to flow through me. I get in God's way all the time. Sometimes it's my pride. I can do this. Sometimes it's a, I have no clue what to do, and I'm not sure that God is actually going to do anything about this. It's my doubt. Sometimes it's my fear. God, I want to do something, but I don't really know how to do this, and I'm going to look like a real nerd if I do this. But grace covers a multitude of sins, does it not? Grace is what allows us to fail and pick up and go again. Grace is what allows us to be hurt by someone and say, that was not Jesus Christ. That was a person. So I'm going to stick with this Jesus Christ, and I'm going to pick myself. Actually, he's going to pick me up. He's going to dust me off, and he's going to send me back out again as a forgiven, clean, washed individual, as a child of God. So no matter how many times I get knocked down, doesn't matter. Grace will pick me up again. Nothing else does that and makes us new. Our own power can't do that. Our own strength can't do that. Our own wisdom can't do that. God's grace can. The other interesting thing I find about that sentence is God's grace is sufficient. Does that excite you? <laughs> God's grace is overwhelming. God's grace is awesome. God's grace is unimaginable. But what we get is God's grace is sufficient. That bore anybody else? Well, think about this. God's grace is sufficient. In other words, sufficient. You don't need to go anywhere else and find something that's going to do that, give you that kind of strength. Now, sometimes I do that in advance because I don't know. Like I said, I, I, do I trust God? Is he real? Is he going to do this thing? Do I understand this correctly? No, God's grace is sufficient. You don't need to look anywhere else. The other thing that I personally have a, a, a problem with, a big problem with, is God's timeline. Anybody else? I mean, for heaven's sakes, God, let's get it done. Right? I don't have time to, to build strength. I don't have time to look more like your son. <laughs> I want it done now. But God's grace is sufficient. You have to give it time. And if we fail to give it time, things get really interesting. So God's grace is sufficient. And whose power and grace is God talking about to Paul? Is it Paul's power and grace? No, it's my. And when God's talking to Paul, he says, my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient. And this is good news, bad news. I got the bad news first, all right? We're not enough. We are not enough. There are things in this world that we can't deal with. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. We are enough. We're sufficient. We're more than sufficient. We're more than conquerors is what Paul says in another book. But that's where we need to be looking, not inside, but up and then out. That's the power. That's the strength. And it's renewable strength. How do I know this? Because the prophet Isaiah said this a long, long time ago. When you ask yourself, what is it that gives you strength to keep going? What? I can't even read that. What do you feel? <laughs> when do you feel the strongest? There you go. Here's when I feel the strongest. Have you ever watched an eagle soar? 
These words are from the prophet Isaiah. This is, this is Isaiah 40, 31. This is another one of those famous verses. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Now, let me pause there for a second. Did you catch the strength? Renew. Renewable energy. Anybody know what renewable energy means? It never runs out. That's the kind of energy I want because I work on my energy. I'm going to run out. I'm going to crash hard. My batteries are going to die. Oh, that worked well. I planned that. Yeah. No, but when I have renewable energy, I can go and go and go like an Energizer Bunny. Now, God's not going to ask you that because he knows we're human and we need rest. That's a whole different sermon series. But the point is, this energy is renewable. This strength is renewable. It will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. Now, have you ever actually seen an eagle soar? It's fascinating because if you look at it, just look at that picture. I mean, how majestic is that? First of all, who can create something like that? There's got to be a God, right? But if that eagle decided that, okay, today I need to hunt, the way I do that is I soar, I look for food, but you know what? There's no wind, so I'm just going to climb this ladder on this tall tree. Or uh, I'm just going to continually flap my wings for an hour. Now, the eagles don't do that, see, because the eagles know how to wait on the Lord. And this is the hardest part for me. I am a terrible waiter. But God calls us to wait. And, and this, this word in, in Hebrew, I just wanted you to see the Hebrew word, kava. So there's your Hebrew of the day. It means to wait patiently, to look expectantly, uh, to focus in hope. So here's how an eagle would do that. If the wind isn't up that day, the eagle doesn't soar. So does the eagle just go, oh, bummer. Uh, well, I guess I'll check my phone. No, the eagle is probably mending a nest, preening feathers, making sure that when that wind comes, they are ready to soar. Furthermore, the eagle looks for that wind. They go to places where they know that wind is going to be, and they know where the food is going to be, so that when that wind comes, they soar. We've talked about this before, word, sir, but it's worth repeating. That when that eagle lifts its wings, it is waiting expectantly on that wind. And the wind, actually because of the skeletal structure, holds the wings up. It's the wind that holds the wings. It's the wind that provides the lift. It's the wind that lets the eagle soar. It's not the eagle. It's just that the eagle is built so that the wind can help it soar. Folks, we are built so that the Spirit of God can help us soar. But so many times, don't we cut that off? We shut ourselves in from the world. We don't want to deal with anybody or anything. I'm tired. I'm weak. I just want to be by myself. When God asks us, will you just open up? This is how you're made. This is what you're made for. You're made to soar. You're eagles, not turkeys. Well, some of you might be. No, kidding, kidding. We're made to soar. So what keeps us from doing that? I think it's fear sometimes. I think it's pride. I don't need the wind. I can do this myself, and I will run myself ragged and burn myself out. How do I know this? Because I've been there. I tried to do it myself. It doesn't work, I'm telling you. If you haven't had it yet, you will. Just wait for it. This hope that we have and this strength that is renewed every day is not a passive hope. We're not waiting in line. This, this, this sense of kava is, is not like a, 
when you go to the doctor's office and you sit there in the lobby and you're waiting for your name to be called. It's not that kind of waiting. It's not like waiting in the line at the amusement park. Like, I know that roller coaster is really good. I'm willing to stand like this behind somebody I don't know and hear about their exploits for 30 minutes to get to that line. It's not that kind of waiting. You know the kind of waiting it is? It's kind of waiting like uh, an expectant mother. Now, fortunately, we have a great example. I'm not going to ask Evie to step up here, but you know. <laughs> Here's the thing. We all love little Leonardo. We want him to be healthy. We want to see him. We can't wait. But not yet. Because Leonardo has some growing to do, has some development to do. Now, Jimmy and Evie aren't waiting passively. They're, they're getting the room ready. They're getting clothes. Did I mention there's a baby shower? You should probably RSVP to that. that. That would be awesome. They're decorating. They're getting ready. Maybe they're thinking about finances for this young life that's going to come into this world. They've already thought about a name. They're not waiting passively. They're waiting expectantly. The point being is when we wait, we don't just shut down. We wait with focus. And for the Christian life, we wait on that focus on God. Because, folks, even if it's not time to soar right now, there's a time coming when it will be time to soar. My question word serve is, will we be ready? Or have we just sat and let ourselves molt, not cleaned our feathers, not pre-flighted, not looked for the Spirit of God moving, not positioned ourselves so that when it is time to soar, we just let God do his work in us. This is the time to wait expectantly, to focus on God. Now, I know that some of you may be saying, Bill, I, I can't focus on anything right now. I have no strength. Life has just beat me down. My job is terrible. Or maybe I don't have a job. My relationship is killing me. Or maybe it's completely folded. My kids think I'm the worst person in the world. We're disenfranchised. I could go on, but you get the idea. Life has beaten us down. And you may be saying, Bill, it's a, you know, <laughs> I'm at the end of my rope. And, and I, I throw this up here. This is a, a quote attributed to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, president of the United States. He said this, when you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. And that sounds pretty positive. That's a good old Texas answer, isn't it? Yeah, tie a knot and hang on. But where is that focus again? That's me. That's how much strength I can muster. I hold on. But there's a better way. See, if you come to me and you say, Bill, I'm at the end of my rope, you know what I'm going to say back? Good. Because when you're at the end of your rope, you're at the beginning of God. And this God has a power that is made perfect in your weakness. This God has a grace that is sufficient. This God can make you soar on wings like an eagle. So when it comes time to answer that question of faith, where does your strength come from? Maybe instead of saying, I'm all I've got, I'm all I need, we change our answer. We become the best combat medic of all by saying, he's all I've got. He's all I need. That's my prayer for us, word serve, that we would change our perspective, that we would recognize that in spite of everything being taken away, sometimes when he's all I've got, that's the first time I recognize that he is all I need. And maybe, just maybe, that's the first time I soar.
Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for your Holy Spirit that guides us, that reminds us, that moves in us. God, teach us to soar. Teach us not to be earthbound. Teach us not to rely on our own strength, but on yours. Teach us that that source of strength is renewable and never-ending, as is your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.